Why don't we lift our hands to the Lord? As high as you can lift them, stretch them out. Let's lift our voice as loud as we can lift it. the goodness of the Lord and this is our first time at No Limits and uh, to my to my shame but this is a great meeting the preaching has been phenomenal and um, Brother P Wednesday night Brother Franco B God bless you what a word from the Lord and then uh, Brother Bertram Brother Wilson yesterday then my Brother Miles Young last night. What a word from the Lord. Great preaching. Then this morning, this is one of my favorite preachers this morning. And I um, love Brother Joel Booker. We've preached several times together this last year. I've enjoyed being with him. What a great preacher. I read somewhere where the spirit of a man is the man. And if that's the case, we have just witnessed one of the greatest men on the face of the planet. And I appreciate him, his spirit. Appreciate our elders. Brother Booker, Brother King, God bless you. Then I've got some friends here from Kentucky. Brother and Sister Seiden Fiden. And man, when you can get some rednecks to California, well, we're going to have a time. Then Brother Nathan Cox is a friend of mine. I told him I'd give him a pull or a push or something this morning. He's an evangelist, great evangelist, great preacher. And um, I'm going to do him about like they did me one time when I was evangelizing. They said, Brother and Sister Tiller, come up here and stand in front of our church. We did. These people, these poor people travel. These poor people barely get by. These poor people. Man, I was looking around. Who in the world is he talking about here? I told Brother Cox I was going to get him up here in front of everybody and say, he needs meetings bad. He's a poor preacher needing preaching engagements. But, but we love our friends. Brother Jason Pontius, God bless you. And um, appreciate, appreciate him very much. I pastor his sister and brother-in-law. And I uh, love, love Brother Jason Pontius and his family. And appreciate the goodness of the Lord. I am a happy man. I've been married for 31 years almost. Will be next Tuesday. And um, to the same woman. And uh, she's been the joy of my life. Yeah, I appreciate her so much. She's given me two beautiful daughters, and uh, one of them is with me here, Chera. Then the other one is back home. She's married, and she's given me two beautiful grandchildren. Everything that I've got 
has come from the church. Has come from the church. I owe my life to Jesus Christ. I appreciate the elders and this church spirit. When I look at Brother Wilson, when I look at Brother Young, I see the epitome of leadership, spiritual leadership, not just leadership, spiritual leadership. You can't teach that in a book. There's only one book that you can get that kind of a spirit out of, and this is the Word of God. Without, without further delaying, I want to take your attention today to the book of John, chapter 5. I'm going to be reading starting at verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind halt and withered waiting for the moving of the water for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water where whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool but while I am coming another steppeth down before me Jesus saith unto him rise take up thy bed and walk and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked on the same day was the Sabbath my subject today and this message came out of a prayer meeting about four weeks ago and um, going over scripture and praying, seeking God. And this, this scripture text began to preach to me a message. And I'm simply going to call this today Bethesda's message. Bethesda's message. If you'd put your Bibles down, won't you lift up your hands, lift up your voices. There's a, there's a mighty God in the house today. There is a mighty God in the house. He is faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Salomo Shalemateke. Thank you, Jesus. He is faithful today. He is holy today. He is righteous. We bless his name. 
You can be seated after you shake somebody's hand and say, I believe that there's a God that's going to touch us today. Praise God. The greatest challenge of this generation to ministry is going to be to keep the saints of the Most High God and ourselves in a constant spirit of revival. That's the challenge. We're in the midst of one of the most miraculous times of any dispensation. We're in the midst of that. But we, like Peter, sometimes in the midst of walking on the water, get distracted by the storms of life, and we lose our focus. The Bible lets us to know that there is and should be great expectation in the church. It's not all about the storm that we need to focus on, but it's about the one that's on the water with us that we need to focus on. There's a God that's able to step us and walk us through every situation, every trial, every temptation, every struggle that could even face humanity. There's a God with us. This God's arm is not short. His power is not slack. He can reach to the lowest pit. He can ascend to the highest heavens. He is God all by himself. No savior beside him. He is God alone. Anybody believe in the message of the one God? Praise God. Praise God. In this scripture text today, this, I believe the Holy Ghost has impressed upon me to deliver to us a message that came from Bethesda. Bethesda's preaching more than just a situation of a man being healed of 38 years. But there was two basically different scenarios going on here at the same time. And I believe the scripture's trying to bring us revelation and the spirit trying to bring us a revelation today. The scripture in this scripture text speaks of an angel touching the water. And the Bible said in that midst of that miraculous event that there was healing power that was brought into the first one that stepped into the water. At the same time, Jesus comes walking in to Bethesda, and there he picks out a man that's been there for 38 years, and he gives him healing. I believe the scripture is speaking that it is a representation in portion of the angel touching the water. It's a representation in portion of what the incarnation brings without measure. I believe that we're living in a generation of no limits. No limits. And I know when we get into speaking and preaching about the area of the supernatural, that we live in a pressure-packed scenario. Because if God don't move, then the message is going to flop. But I want you to know that God is going to move in here today. And God is going to heal some broken hearts here today. And God is going to take care of a grieving spirit here today. And God is going to give victory to the failure today. This is what's going to, I believe, it's going to be a supernatural work of God. I believe that in the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us of John in his writings of the miracle that happened in Jerusalem. The other three gospels basically deal with the miracles of Jesus in Galilee. 
but John deals with the miracle that is in Jerusalem in a specific place called Bethesda. Bethesda was called the house of mercy. Five porches full of impotent folk. Because of the blindness, the halt, and the withered, they were powerless, they were disabled in society. They were paralyzed physically. They were withered physically. They were halt physically. They were blind physically. But they bear spiritual importance to us today in Revelation. For in this house, even though we are in the church of the living God, there is still some blind and there is still some halt and there is still some withered among us. There is still some that are disabled in the spirit. Tragedies come, disabled you. Trial has come, disabled you. Took you out of the stream of worship. Took you out of the stream of prayer. Took you out of the stream of evangelism. No more Bible studies. No more involvement because of a disabling condition. But I'm thankful tonight that there is a Bethesda in this generation. I'm glad that there's a house of mercy in Jerusalem. Is anybody glad for mercy knocking on your door one day? Hallelujah. Bethesda was, was the place where man and deity came together. Man built the house, but God furnished the supernatural work that was going to complete a work of the miraculous in somebody's life. The Bible tells us that God is able to heal the disabled. He is able to strengthen the, the disabled. The Bible said these folks that were halt, blind, and withered, that they were waiting for the moving of the water. They were waiting upon God. Blind, but they were waiting. Somebody say waiting with me. Blind, but they were waiting. They were halt, but they were waiting. They were withered, but they were waiting. They were disabled, but they were waiting. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm glad that the Lord is able. Sometimes we get too big of a hurry. We need to just wait on the Lord. He's got the solution. He's got the remedy. He's got the ability. I'm not going to trust in the world nor the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I think I'm just going to wait on God. I'm going to trust in God. Hallelujah. The Bible said that God brought the supernatural of that angel coming down and touching and troubling the water. And the first that was to step into that water was healed. There was two supernatural things going on. Some writers feel like that this, this event of the angel touching the water started about the time of Jesus's ministry. But it also was a representation in my view that the Lord that had, had turned his back on humanity for 400 years was now touching a people that had turned their back on him in a merciful way. 
Mercy keeps us from getting what we deserve. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. But mercy keeps us from getting what we do deserve. So for the mercies of God, he said, I'm going to come down in every season at a season. Whatever that was, we don't know. But I'm going to have my angel touch the water. And it's going to trouble the water. Now some men feel like that there's no supernatural effect in this at all. They feel like that there was healing of properties, minerals that were in this water, and that there was some type of a, a gastric belch that would come up and stir up these healing properties. And the first one in would get the effects of whatever those healing minerals could do. I don't know about that. Well, I do know about that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe we could take the supernatural out of the Bible. I don't believe we could take that out of the Bible. We start taking the supernatural out of the Bible, the supernatural, that which goes beyond nature's ability and nature's laws. When you start taking the radical moves of God that go beyond the realms of normality out of the book of the Bible, out of the Bible, then we take deliverance out of the Bible. And we take healing out of the Bible. And we take a radical of God out of the Bible. It didn't happen, some say. I'm here to tell you that I believe it did happen. I believe there is a supernatural work that's in the church even now. I believe that. You can't take it out of the church. You become a, just a religious order if you take the supernatural out of the church. You become a symbol without substance if you take the supernatural out of the church. Israel will have died beside a Red Sea. They would have died in a wilderness. They would have died in Egypt. There would have been no earth. There would be no God. Daniel would have died in a lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have died in in a fiery furnace if there was no supernatural there'd be no healing there'd be no Pentecost there'd be no Bible if there was no supernatural there'd be no redemption there'd be no supernatural salvation I'm telling you there is a supernatural act in the word of God and it's in the church today it goes beyond the realms of nature. It goes beyond the realms of normality. We get normal. We think it's normal to suffer. We think it's normal to go through depression and try to read books to get us out of it. I'm telling you, there's got to be a supernatural touch of God that can deliver us, that can save us, that can keep us, and that can heal us. Can't take it out. Anybody believe God's able to do exceeding? Abundantly. Eye hath not seen. Ear hath not heard. Neither is it entered into the heart of man. God wants to do supernatural things in an unlimited way. Anybody tired of limits? I'm tired of limits. I'm tired of normality. Man, I feel the touch of God coming in this house. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Supernatural. We started over a year ago, a year ago, January. 
We started fasting and praying the first Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of every month. And uh, for our church, we go to the church and pray. Our church has been fighting battle. Five years I've been there, loved the church, but there was spiritual bondage. There was spiritual blockage. There was spirits that fought the people, wounded, messed up, didn't know how to pray, struggled through life, barely making it, didn't know how to succeed in the spirit. And we started fasting and praying a year ago. I'm telling you, when you pastor a church that's wounded like that, it takes something out of you. And I had to find a place of resource. And I found it in prayer. And I found it in fasting. And in the last year, I felt things break little by little by little. One time the Holy Ghost gave me a message. It was almost like, it was almost like I was David. And I'd already defeated Goliath. And then the next battle, you come around, there's another giant. It's Goliath's brother. And then there's another giant in the next battle. There was always a giant. And I got to where I felt like I was fighting that last giant in the book of Samuel when it talked about six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. And he was a freakish giant. And I feel like, I felt like that in Carrollton that I'd run against that freakish giant. And I began to pray and we began to fast. And the Lord said, I said, I said, God, he keeps raising up. There's always a giant that keeps raising his head up. And he told me this. He said, he'll raise his head up and you'll cut it off. Then there'll be another one. He'll raise his head up and you'll cut it off. Then there'll be another one. He'll raise his head up and you'll cut it off. Then there'll be another. It seemed like God did that for 30 minutes in my head. Finally, the Lord said, there'll be another one. He'll raise his head up. You'll cut it off and there'll be no more. There's going to be a victory. There's going to be a victory that's going to come. There's going to be a breakthrough. It wasn't because I'm so good, but it's because of a supernatural God that works with his people. People. Somebody just shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So we, we start fasting and praying. Man, we didn't have no property. I'm in two storefronts connected. And I just got another one for Easter coming up. So I'm a, I'm a preacher of three storefronts. And I look at this and I'm thinking, thank God. I'm glad God's blessed you with it. I love this, but I've got three storefronts. Three storefronts is what I got. And God's been good to us. God's been faithful. The other day, a man in the community, a wealthy man that I've never talked to, he called up a young man in our church. I'm talking about the supernatural. He called up a young man in our church and he said, Matt, I want to give your church something. And he said, I, I, I just need to talk to you. And Matt told him, he said, well, you need to talk to pastor. So he set up appointment with him. We talked. He asked me what I believed on some things, and I told him. And he said, uh, get in my truck. And he drove me to 3.3 acres of prime land in the community of Carrollton. Going to be seen from the main road coming in. Got a Walmart across the street, a Kroger, just in a beautiful location. He said, I owe a little bit of money on this, this other project I've got going on. But if you'll 
pay that off. He said, I'll give you this 3.3 acres and it's worth about $350,000. And this this little dab he wants us to pay off. It's nothing in compare. And I said, well, if you do this, he stopped me. He said, it ain't a matter of if. He said, God's been dealing with me about you for two weeks. He said, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. Where there seemed to be no way, God makes a way. I'm telling you, I want your faith to get high today. His eyes are not shut. His hands are not weak. He still works. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to do it for you. Say it like you mean it. God's going to do it for you. Shout it at him. God's going to do it for you. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to radically move. He's going to go beyond the realms of normality. He's going to radically move. He's going to move without limits. He's going to move without restriction. No devil's going to stop him. No spirit's going to hinder him. God's going to move. He said, I want to work. Who's going to let me work? I want him to work today. I'm going to make an avenue for God to work. Power with no limits. Supernatural. So in Bethesda, I see the angel touching the water. And I see a supernatural work. Only one person, according to what we read, can get in the water and get his healing. But then Jesus comes at a certain season. But then Jesus comes. Not in the season. He's out of season. My He's an out of season God. I'm going to tell you why. Because wherever he is, it's in season. It's in season for you to get your miracle today. It's in season for God to give you your healing today. It's in season for your family to be restored today. It's in season. It's in season. Man, I would run. I would shout. I would scream it out. I would let the devil know whose side I'm really on. I would let the devil know I'm not afraid of your tactics and I'm not ignorant of your ways. My God is able. I let the devil know, Pastor, my church may be small, but it ain't going to be small for long. God's going to move. God's going to bless me. When other churches are empty, God's going to bless my church. When other barns are empty, my barn will be full. I don't know why in the world I'm going to say this. <laughs> I heard a, a black man preach a message years ago. Your check's in the mail. Man, one day I was preaching in Reynoldsburg, and my church had gone through hell. People losing their job. 
And I said, I don't know why I'm going to say this, but I just feel like telling somebody, your check's in the mail. Man, that week, a family that had been going through it financially got a $6,000 check back from the government. Somebody else called me up. Pastor, we got this in the mail. We got that in the mail. But somebody paid my house payment. Somebody, man, I feel like telling this congregation, your check's in the mail. You might as well keep going to the mailbox. God's ready to deliver. I feel a confirmation. God's ready to deliver. God's ready to deliver it. God's ready to give it to you. No more grieving over it. No more fretting over it. No more being frustrated over it. God said, I'm going to come through and it's going to be supernatural. Years ago, me and Sister Tiller just gotten married and uh, I lost my job. I got laid off. They were six weeks behind on my unemployment checks. And I got, she was working a little job at the hospital. Didn't have hardly no food that I can remember. And uh, we didn't take handouts. I didn't, I'm not against welfare, people need it. But we just didn't. And uh, I was praying one day. My faucet was leaking. So I called the landlord and told him faucet was leaking. He said, either me or the plumber will be there today to fix it. I said, okay. He had a key, I've got a key. My wife's got a key. So Connie goes to work. We got a leaky faucet. And the unemployment officer said, you ain't going to get those checks for another two weeks or so. Six weeks behind, not going to get them for two more weeks. So I got down to pray when she left for work. And I prayed. And I prayed. And I prayed. I got lost in it, you know. Next thing I know, I hear the door open. I didn't get up, just kept on praying. I thought it was Connie coming for, for lunch. And I... Uh, just kept on praying. Finally, the door closed. And then I got up. The faucet was still not fixed, so I knew it wasn't a plumber. And uh, Connie, I called her. She hadn't come home to work or to eat. And I called the, the landlord. He said, no, Ron, I've not been over. So somebody came through the door without a key. And it wasn't my wife. And it wasn't the landlord. And it wasn't the plumber. So the first thing I do, I go downstairs and I open the mailbox and there's six unemployment checks in the mailbox. I'm going to tell you, it don't matter what anybody says. It don't matter what the world says. God said, I'll send my angel and I'll deliver when the mailman can't get to you. I know there's a God. I know there's a God that's able. You need to wipe your teary eyes. You need to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. He is able. He don't have to work through your boss. He can work through somebody you don't even know. Tesda, an angel. Then Jesus comes walking in. 38 years, he don't have to trouble no pool. What he's telling us is this. He's saying what, what that angel can only do in portion. The incarnation can do without measure. 
My, my, my. So Bethesda's preaching to me now. I began to ponder this. And there's about four things that it seemed to me that Bethesda was saying. Number one, Bethesda was telling me this generation, speaking to me, but this generation has got to have radical moves of God. Moves of God that go beyond the realms of normality. Now, don't shut up on me. Don't shut down on me. Man, we're in an apostolic church, right? This whole thing was born out of supernatural work of God. Why have we begun in the spirit just to end it in the flesh? What I say today is this. What the spirit has begun, let the spirit finish. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Moves of God. Moves of God's spirit. Not brought about by angels anymore. I don't read about angels bringing moves of God anymore. I don't read about angels troubling the water anymore. You know why? Because moves of God come in on the shoulders of men. Men bring a move of God. David said, I'm going to send an ark. I'm going to send a new cart pulled with oxen. And when he put the ark on it and they hit it down the road, it got to a threshing floor and the oxen stumbled and the new carts began to rock. Yuza puts his hand up and dies because God's glory was never meant to be brought back to Jerusalem, back to the church, back to Jerusalem on a new cart. We don't need new programs. We don't need new carts. We just need old-fashioned prayer and old-fashioned worship and old-fashioned praise. No, 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 no. Don't send a new cart. God says, if you want me to move, don't send a new program. Don't send a new cart. You want me to move? No, sir, don't you insult me by just trying to get a good choir song together and rev it up on a Sunday night. No, no, I'm a lot deeper than that. There's a more substance to me than just that. Don't you try to appease me to get you to dance a little bit. Oh, no, 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 no. He said, if you want a move of God, you need to put the ark on your shoulder and carry it in. You need to fight it through. You need to break it through. You need to pray it through. You need to worship it through. Can I take this off? I'm so sick and tired of shallow moves of God. And people walk out of the church like they've had something. Man, we ain't got nothing. Man, when we just go through the motions. Our young people are speaking in tongues on Sunday night and fornicating on a Monday night. We need a radical move of God. Something beyond the normal. We gotta get out of the normal. Moves of God. I'm tired of dead church, David said. I'm tired of having church without God. I'm tired of no victory. I'm tired of depression. Can I have a witness out here? 
I'm tired of depression. Can I have a witness out here? I'm tired of oppression. I'm tired of lack of spiritual power. I'm tired of no presence of God. I'm tired of just church as normal, church as usual. Bethesda screaming at me right now. You gotta have a move of God. We don't stop worshiping until God's moved. We don't stop praying until God moves. We don't give up until God moves. I was growing up, just got into church. Brother Puckett used to pray with the young people on Sunday at 12 o'clock. We had a two o'clock service. And I didn't know how to pray, but I went. There's about 40 young people there. Man, they, we pray for two hours. I didn't even know how to pray. So I just repeat everything Brother Puckett would say. <laughs> He'd say, bless, bless so-and-so. And I say, bless so-and-so. He say, bless so-and-so. I say, bless so One day he was praying. He said, bless Ron Tiller. I said, bless Ron Tiller. <laughs> Just didn't know. Just went on and praying. But God would move. Two hours would go by. One time I remember, church started at 2 o'clock. Youth were still praying. Hired God in that place. A sinner walked in the vestibule door and started speaking in tongues. My son. Started speaking in tongues as soon as she crossed the threshold of the church. Man, that's what kind of moves of God I want. When they step across the threshold, there's a new life, there's a new power, there's a new dominion. There's a yeah, yeah. I want a fresh anointing in my ministry. I want a fresh anointing. I want something to move in me. But there's the screaming. My. But there's the screaming, the house of mercy screaming. You've got to have a radical move of God no matter what generation you're in you've got to have a radical I wish everybody look at me I wish your mind wouldn't wonder don't let your mind radical move of God pray until you touch him Shout till you feel like shouting some more. Dance because God is good and his mercy endureth forever. If we're going to have radical moves, we got to have some radical prayer meetings and some radical worship services and some radical outreach. People sit, people that get in, in, in situations where they're disabled in the world and your prayer life shuts down. Your praise stops because you, you are disabled. Thank God for a church. Thank God for a church, Bethesda. Thank God for Bethesda.
Bethesda says you could come here and you're going to find mercy. If the angel was still touching the water, your chances of healing would be small, but you'd still have some hope. If the angel was touching the water and that's all the move of God we had, your chances would be limited, but you'd still have hope. The church is for hope. The church is for the hopeless. So thank God for a house of mercy. Thank God that the second thing that this message teaches me, this scripture taught me, not only do we need moves of God, radical moves of God, but we need to recognize that God moves now, not with limited, in a limited capacity, but without season. It's always time for a move of God. Always time. Jesus moved out of season. When the doctor said there's no hope, Jesus moved out of season. When the lawyer says there's no way, Jesus moves out of season. When human reasoning puts limitations on what's going to go on in your world, Jesus said, I'm of God of no limitation. Don't lock me up in the shoebox of your mind. Let me be God. Let me be God. Not just Sunday nights, but every day there's a move of God. I don't wake up on Monday morning just expecting to go through life without God. I'm a Christian. I want Jesus every moment of every day. I want Jesus every moment of every day. Out of season, he works when he desires, when people move him. Man, I, I read a scripture. The little woman that crossed the, the borders, she was not a Jew. Jesus came to the Jews first, to the household of Israel. <laughs> she came to Jesus. My daughter is vexed with a devil. And Jesus said, first of all, he just turns his back on her, walks away. Man, sometimes when you feel like you've been rejected by God, you turn around and walk away thinking it's not time for me. This woman didn't stop. She said, I may not be a Jew, but I'm going to keep going after him. And she finally got his attention. And he said, it's not good for me to give the food from the master's table to the dogs and not give them to the children. And she said, master, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. Man, watch what he does. There is no grace for the Gentiles at this point but Jesus said I've not seen such faith my God faith 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 he reaches around a Calvary that he's never died on yet and he pulls back some grace he gives her a loan of grace and gives her a miracle he said I'm going to bless you even though it's not time for you I'm going to bless you because of your faith
Don't wait every time you get fixed to come to the Lord. Uh-uh. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. You're disabled by grief. Come to the Lord. I'm going to challenge somebody. You need to get your hands up when they've not been up for a long time. I'm going to challenge some young people. You've been struggling. You've been fighting devils. You've been fighting your flesh. Family's gone crazy. You don't know what to do. Man, don't give up on God. You think God don't know where you're at and God's out of season. It's not time for you to come. It's not time for you to get your miracle. It's a, I'm telling you, if you can just believe in spite of all the junk, if you can just believe that there's a God who is able and you just keep on believing, God, I'm going to keep on asking. I'm not going to give up. You know what? Mom and dad may have done this. Aunt Jody may have done that. But God, you're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. The world's not faithful, but you're faithful. faithful. My trust and my hope is not in this world, but it's in God. When I'm disabled by fear, I know there's a God that can give me courage. When I'm disabled by pain, I know there's a healer. When I'm disabled by failure, I know there's a God that'll step out of season and bless me. When I'm frustrated, when I'm angry, he'll touch me. He'll bless me. If I can touch him with faith, I need a miracle. I need a miracle now, God. I can't wait another day. I gotta have a miracle now. Bethesda wants me to know and wants you to know today that you can have your miracle anytime your faith touches the throne of glory. Come here. Come here. You can't have to say you can't have it, Tiller. Can't have it, Tiller. Can't have it. So you're gonna block me up. No Tiller. Bless God. I got a God. Sometimes you may feel like you fought every devil in hell. You may cry all night. You may weep all night. You may pray till the sun comes up. But when it's all over, you're going to be touched by God. Whatever happened to the fight in Pentecost? Oh, elder told me one time, he said, Brother Tiller, he said, I used to get up at four in the morning, milk the cows, eat breakfast, go to the field, work all day, come in, milk the cows, take a bath, get to church right at 7.30, get out of church at one in the morning, go home, get up at four. He said, we went through a three-week revival like that every night. And he said, you know what? I felt just as strong at the end of that revival than as I did when the beginning of it. It never wore me out. I, somewhere or another, they got it in their mind. This is the rest wherewith you cause the weary to rest. This is all we need, folks. This is all we need. This is all we need. Radical moves of God's what we need. We need a faith in God that he works even out of season. When our barns are empty, 
or when the world's barns are empty, he said, your barns will be full. So when the economy goes crazy, that has nothing to do with me. I'm going to say that again. When the economy of this world goes crazy, it has nothing to do with the church. God's got ravens. God's got angels. God's got ways and methods we don't even know about. But he said, you'll never hunger and you'll never thirst. I'll take care of you. I'll keep you. I'll sustain you. It don't matter what goes on in this world. Somebody asked me the other day, you going to borrow money to build that church? I said, yeah. Even in this economy? Yeah. You mean you're not afraid? No. No. My whole life living for God's been faith. My church could crumble tomorrow, but I still got God. You think I'm worried about that? No. No. God makes a way out of no way. Man, I wish somebody would hear me. God's going to give you an outlet. God's going to make a way where there seemed to be no way. I wish you'd take somebody by the hand right now and lift it up and give God a shout of praise. Come on, everybody in the house. Just take somebody by the hand. Give a shout of praise. This is your day. This is your hour. This is your moment. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I know my God is a God of yesterday and today and forever. Mercy! I'm in the house of mercy! I'm tired of walking around my head hanging down. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord, strong and mighty. Checks in the mail. The third thing. Bethesda's preaching to me. Jesus went up to the man and said, Wilt thou be made whole? He said, I have no man. In a house of mercy, he had nobody. Bethesda preached to me and said, This generation needs a radical, a radical involvement. Too many people sitting, don't get mad. 
But there's too many saints of God sitting on the pew when sinners are praying in the altar. And there's too many people that could do bus ministry and you'd rather stay home on a Saturday morning and do something else than to do bus ministry. When you got 10 or 15 or 30 or 40 people doing all the work, we need a radical involvement. We want a radical move of God. We need a radical involvement. Fifty people in the prayer room when there's another 200 out in the... Turn around and lay your hand on that young lady right there. I need a couple of elders, a couple of good elders in the church. Somebody 60, 70 years old. A couple of good ones. Just come on up here. You go to the prayer room. How old are you? 65. 65-year-old elder goes to prayer room. Probably does other stuff. Probably works in the church. Probably does whatever he can do. Worships. And then we've got 25 young people sitting on our pews. And you're wanting to know where Pentecost is? It's sitting where you are. But if you'll get involved... You'll see a supernatural touch of God. Let the elder dance. Let the young marriage dance. Let the middle-aged people dance. Let the children dance. Let the youth dance. We need to get involved. I don't want dead church. I want supernatural power. I was 17 years old. I was so wrapped up in basketball, getting ready to go to college on a scholarship. Got the Holy Ghost, but then all of a sudden season started, and man, what a battle. Don't you tell me that sports create character. Sports reveals it. Man, I went to church after I give in, went to practice one night, had revival. Old brother Howard Moran got up instead of preaching. He said, I wish somebody in this place knew that old song, this house, this old house I'm living in, needing repair. The windows and the shutters are letting in the cold. I can't find time to fix them. And man, I started crying on the second row. And my aunt was the organist. Never moved. Man, she worshiped a little, but she was just strong. She was faithful. She, you know, she loved God. She's on that organ. And she was being involved in the service. 
But when she seen her nephew struggling, when she seen her nephew fighting every demon in hell, she said, it's not time just to be involved. It's time for a radical involvement. She got off the organ, come down where I was at, and she said, son, it's time for us. Let us go pray. Not you pray. Let us go pray. I'm going to involve myself in your battle. If you're fighting the devil, I'm fighting the devil with you. You know what we need? We need good saints of God that's going to get radically involved. I'm not going to let that sinner sit back there and go through a service without knowing they're lost. Radical. Radical. She said, I'm going to pray with you. Come on, I'll give you your five minutes of fame. You'll probably have more in that years to come. When I'm old, remember this. Radical. Since when is Pentecost? Got to be so much of an isolationist. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to offend them. Nobody worried about offending me. And it saved me. We're worried about offending sinners. When the devil has strung them up, put drugs in their veins, took their money from their table, food from their table, and we're worried about offending somebody because we want them to come to a better way? No, it's because we don't want to get involved. But God, I'm asking today, you'd baptize us with a radical involvement. Let's lift our hands to him. If you're sitting beside somebody that's struggling, won't you just take them by the hand right now? Come on, every eye closed. Supernatural, God. Come on, you need to go pray with me. Let us go pray. Let us go pray. Let us worship. David said, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We need, we need. It's not just you in this battle. It's not just you in this battle. I'm going to get radically involved in it. Pastor, you've been fighting devils in your church this last year. Man, I'd like for you to step out in the aisle. And a pastor that's been seeing some victory, why don't you go up to him and say, Brother, let us go to battle. You're not going to fight this devil alone. We're going to fight together. One, I put a thousand to flight. Two, put ten thousand to flight. Just get involved.
take somebody by the hand. I really feel like we need to do that right now. Take somebody by the hand. Won't you lift that hand up? Say, brother, I'm not gonna stand by. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna isolate from the problem. Let me talk to you, pa Pastor. I know you've been going through some church trouble, Pastor, but I'm not gonna fight against you. I'm gonna be a saint and fight for you. I'm gonna take up for you, Pastor. 